Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Three years this year, uh, June. Um, and since since I've been here, the, the size of the bags have changed tremendously um, because people are are able to travel a whole lot more. There's more avenues to travel, so with that comes more and more luggage, bigger bags, and you know people who like to carry baggage with us no matter where we go. So it, it's changed a lot. It just depends um, where the flight is really coming from, but we do see a lot of bags that are locked, um, that are that are, are heavy, filled to capacity. All right. Do not leave your baggage unattended for your safety. Amen. I tell you, that's the thing that we're looking at in the series is how to deal with all the baggage, how to deal with the the things that we've added in our life. Um, You know, God intended you to live free, amen? But we allow, in our journey of life, things that we encounter to, uh, you know, become baggage in our life. We hold on to those. And I think probably it's because we don't necessarily know how to properly deal with it. But God has an amazing journey for your life, and it's not the destination that we get frustrated with or, or disappointed in. It's not really even the journey. It's all the bag that, baggage that we accumulate along the way that makes the journey really not fulfilling, not pleasurable, not happy. And uh, I always want to encourage you that in the course of this series, open your heart up to the Lord, to the Word of God, and let's find ways to live free and be free and travel free. Amen? Uh, let's make sure that we don't leave our bags unattended because if we don't deal with the baggage in our life, the Bible says it just become, becomes a stronghold. It continues to take root in our heart and our life. Um, also, it is for our own safety. It's better for us to deal with those things in light, in line with the word of God and find the freedom that comes. I just want to appreciate Darrell. He is uh, one of our tree of lifers working there at the airport coming out with us and shooting that video. Uh, and so I appreciate the camera crew because I thought, are you able to go in the airport with a video camera? And... They had a couple of security people talk to him, ask him a few questions, but uh, they were able to shoot that video for us. So I hope that you got the, kind of the point of that. Make sure that we are uh, looking at ways to uh, unpack our bags and live free. God's a good and faithful God. Turn to Genesis 11 and welcome everybody. Welcome out the tree of life. We are glad you're here. Uh, I want to welcome our online audience. We have more and more people all the time watching us online. We love it when you can be here, but when you can't, we encourage you to get on board and wherever you're at and log in and watch a service. Don't miss a service. Invite all your friends wherever they live to join us. It's interesting. I'm going to share one Sunday where all the people are from. A lot of them are from overseas. We've got a lot of people watching us overseas, but uh, we appreciate everybody that comes to spend time with us in the Word. Again, we're in part two of our series called Unpack Your Bags. And it really is amazing making that analogy to, you know, the reality of travel and what we need to carry with us. And as you saw, billions of luggage is checked every year. And, and more and more, we're, we're finding out more creative and clever ways to add to our baggage. I mean, to, to carry it with us. Uh, we add wheels to it. 
uh, so it's uh, more convenient to get around. We add a handle to it so we don't have to bend over and pick it up. And we add a handle to it so we can stack, right? The handle's really for stacking. You can stack stuff and stack more stuff. Then you have ways to expand it, expandable pockets and all kinds of accessories that you can vacuum pack and all kinds of stuff to get more in there. And you can even Google online how to pack in a way that you can get more stuff in there right? You roll it all up or something like that. There's just so many ways. And really, it's what we're learning spiritually for you and I too, and emotionally, relationally, we're learning how to cope with it instead of deal with it. And so today's message is called relational baggage. And I really felt this in my heart was the appropriate time being Valentine's. And so uh, we're going to talk about how relationships in our life, in our past, present, and perhaps even in our future can create more baggage for us if we don't know how to properly deal with it. And I want, again, to just keep reemphasizing God always intended you to live free. And so he's provided ways, truths in the scripture for us, if we'll apply them to our life, to be able to find that freedom. And we're gonna look at a story in Genesis that's probably about somebody that's not very well known, but he's the father of somebody that's extremely well known. And in fact, Uh, the story is about Abraham's father. And we know Abraham to be the father of faith and the father of many nations. And God used Abraham and his family to establish the nation of Israel. And they sent him originally to the promised land. Then at some point in time, the children of Israel became captive. And then, of course, we know Moses' freedom. But uh, it all began with Terah, and Terah being Abraham's father. And so let's take a look at the story. I already told you in Genesis 11. And as you're turning, turning there, what I hope that you see in the story is um, how we'll find to deal with some relational pain. Because I believe some of our greatest baggage in life, probably 90% of our baggage in life, could just possibly come from our relationships. Um, let me just ask some questions. We're talking about unpacking the bag. I shared this last week. Uh, my wife and I came back from a trip. I left my bag unpacked at the foot of my bed. In the middle of the night, I got up, was walking around. I kicked it and broke my toe. Caused great pain. How many of you have ever broken a bone? Who's broken a bone? Let me see your hand. Broken a bone. Not like break somebody else's, but your own. Okay, it's been broken. Okay, yeah. Let me clarify that. All right. So, you know, it heals eventually. You'll find that that heals. I, I added it up. I sat down. I was going through my mind. Um, I actually have eight broken bones. Actually, I think I broke seven. My brother broke my leg. But anyway, so he's in Mexico. He ran off to Mexico. Uh, so, <laughs> so how many of you ever had stitches? Stitches and yeah. There's a, there's a lot of hands. I have a scar on my forehead, on my chin. I think my brother had something to do with one of those too. I think I'm not sure. Uh, stitches in life. The thing about stitches is they, they cause some temporary pain, but they'll leave a scar that will bring perhaps a remembrance. Um, how many of you have ever, and I was thinking about this, and this might be weird, and don't be embarrassed to raise your hand. You're in a safe place. How many of you have ever been stabbed? Like stabbed? Like, okay, that's a lot. How many of you have ever been shot? Okay. People are moving away from those people right now as we speak. Okay. Honey, we're sitting at the next row. We're not gonna sit in this row ever again. Uh, and I say all that, even some of those things that are very harmful and whatever it may be, uh, physically we have some pain associated with that and, and for the most part, most of that, we can find healing from it. Um, but wouldn't you agree some of the greatest pain that we suffer really in life is emotional, relational pain. Um, it's deeper. It is harder to uh, find healing from that. And, and understand this, God is the healer of the broken heart. And God and only God really has this unique ability to come in and and help us find healing from it. The problem is a lot of us, again, don't necessarily know how to properly deal with the emotional, relational pain in our life. And you've heard this said, right? Time heals all wounds. Who's ever heard that? Time heals all wounds, right? Who doesn't believe that to be true, (laughs) right? In fact, on the contrary, the scripture says the longer that something goes undealt with in your life, it becomes a stronghold. 
And so it is important for us this morning to understand when we're talking about relationship or emotional pain, how can we then properly deal with that to find some freedom in our lives? And so in Genesis 11, we find the story that I believe will give us some truths and insight into what that is in our life and how we can deal with it. And again, Terah, the main character, if you will, so to speak, uh, at least initially now, is the father of Abraham. Now, the story calls him Abram. It's before his name was changed. God changed his name later on to be Abraham, but that's who he is. So let's start reading there. In uh, verse 27, this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So Terah had three sons. These are all three boys. Some think that Haran was the youngest because he's listed third. Some think he really was the firstborn. But it says this, Haran became the father of Lot. Lot we see later on in Genesis on some journeys with Abraham. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. So listen to this. Terah has three sons, Haran being one, and while Terah is still alive, his son, Haran, died. Now, we don't know. It doesn't really necessarily tell us how he died, and the assumption perhaps could be made based on the time. It could have been a disease, an unexpected death of an accident of some sort, but nonetheless, we all would agree that Terah would have emotional pain or relational pain at the loss of his son because honestly, it's just not, it just seems not right for a father to bury his son. It seems like the proper order would be at some point in time a son to bury his father. And I've experienced that in my own life, but I can't imagine burying a child. So we can safely assume that as we're walking the story out that uh, Tara has some emotional pain at the loss of his son and burying his son. It goes on to say this, and we'll jump down to then um, the next verse. Verse 31, we'll jump down to verse 31. Tara took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together, now listen to this, they set out from Ur to the Chaldeans, of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So at some point in time, they're leaving where they had been living, Ur, the city of Ur. <laughs> I don't know, that sounds funny to say. The city of Ur, it sounds like I can't think, I can't remember the name. Ur, um, Ur, uh. <laughs> Okay, so they're leaving Ur, <laughs> and they're going to, or going to Canaan. So uh, he called a family meeting and said, hey, for whatever reason, we don't really know, it necessarily, there's a lot of assumption there, but uh, we're gonna go to Canaan. Now, understand Canaan, the Can- Canaan is really what we know to, to be the promised land, and we, we see that later. But Canaan was initially settled then by Abraham and the children of Israel went into captivity and Moses brought them out to the promised land or the land of Canaan. So God initially is asking, we we would think, is asking this family to go there now. So Terah leaves Ur, takes the family that will go with them to the land of Canaan, to the promised land. That's an interesting point. I want you to hold on to that. Goes on to say this. But when they came to Haran, that's, that's a city along the way, which just so happens to be or have the same name as his son that died. Now, we don't know if the son was named after the city or what, but understand, he's now on his way to Canaan as the Lord instructed or as we believe that he was headed, the promised land, we know it to be, and along the way, he has to pass through this city and it has the same name as his son and it says that he settled there. Say settled there settled there. That meant at some point in time when he reached that city that has the same name as his son, he stopped. He gave up. He settled in. We know he was headed to Canaan, to the destination, the promised land, if you will, that God has. And at some point in time here, 
in this city, he decided to settle. He just stopped. And then here's perhaps one of the most really, um, I don't know, tragic scriptures. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Now, why do I say it's tragic? Because he was never intended to die in Haran, but he was intended to be in Canaan. So what does that tell us? I believe that tells us, and we'll make a few assumptions here, that tells us that God has a destination of promise for us, but it's easy for you and I because of hurts and emotional, relational baggage to settle somewhere and miss what God has. And I believe the reality is when, perhaps when uh, um, Terah got to the city that had the same name as his son, he was forced perhaps to face that, that great emotional pain or relational pain in his life and he chose to just settle there and live in that place. And can I say God has an amazing destination for you. And I know along the way there are re- relational pains, emotional pains, real hurts, but don't settle where you're at. Don't stop moving forward. <clears throat> don't quit and give up. God has something greater for you. God wants you to keep moving forward in life. And I draw the conclusion here that Abram, because of the emotional pain and grief perhaps was so great, he just kind of gave up and settled in that place and missed out on perhaps what God wanted for him. Can, can I just, in my studies and the way my brain works, I'm gonna throw something out there for you to, you to chew on. I'd be interesting, interested to hear your insight. We know that Abram eventually went to to Canaan and God used him to establish a great nation. Maybe, and I I, I can't prove this in scripture, I'm just kind of thinking, maybe that God intended Terah to be that one to lead his family to that place. Maybe. And because Terah didn't, because he settled in that place, he missed out on that, but then God used his son Abram, Abraham, to do that. So just maybe, that what we can draw from the story is the things that God has for us is greater than we can ever hope or imagine. I mean, when it comes to the things of God and we see the immediacy of our hurt and our pain, which is real, and it really is, I'm not trying to belittle that, I'm not trying to even deny that, but it is real. And so we need to be able to learn how to properly deal with that to go forward and fulfill all the amazing things God has that we can't even hope, imagine, or dream has for our lives, Amen. And so we're gonna kind of talk about that this morning and I want you to really lock in onto the things we're talking about out of God's word and out of the story that will help us, I believe, unpack some of our baggage perhaps from our relationships, our emotional wounds that we've had or been carrying around for maybe perhaps all our life or for a long time. We don't wanna settle where we are. We wanna move forward in what God has. And again, the Bible says he just stopped and if you're on that place of settling or stopping, hey, let's move forward from here. Let's make some decisions from this day to move forward and apply these truth to our life. I, I, wanna, I want us to understand that there's a lot of things that cause emotional, relational baggage in our life. Uh, it per- perhaps can be the loss of a loved one. It can be. And in my case, perhaps it would have been a father, um, and maybe in yours it might be reverse. It might be a son or a daughter. I, I know there's families here that have experienced that. Um, there's a lot of things. Perhaps it's a divorce. Um, perhaps it is uh, um, you know, uh, an abuse by a parent or a family member or a teacher or a coach or a close friend, a coworker, a betrayal of some sort. Um, perhaps it's a bully in your life or where you work. And, and what happens is then we will conform our life, we will adjust and learn how to cope with some things and live with that. We'll add wheels to it, right? And we'll add a a long handle then to it to make it even easier for us to carry. And in in fact, because we're not able to deal with it, more and more things happen and we're picking those things up and, and stuffing them in our bag and we're getting expandable bags now. We're stacking luggage on top of that and 
If we leave it unattended and we don't deal with it, it could bring us to that place of disappointment, devastation in our life. And so let's talk about three things in the story that if we don't deal with our baggage, we leave our baggage unattended, what will happen? A relational wound unattended will, number one, keep you from your potential. Keep you from your potential. If you never deal with the emotional wound or pain or hurt in your life, you'll never get to the place you're supposed to go. Perhaps for Tara, stopping in the place that was, had the same name as his son, he was forced to face that emotion and he didn't deal with it. And he missed out on that place that was intended for him. He missed out on the potential that was there for his life. He stopped in the middle of it. Because whenever you are in a place with relational, emotional baggage, we tend to make bad decisions. We just do. That wasn't, we all would say, that's, that's, a, that's not a good decision there, Tara. Let's move on, keep going. That's not a good decision. But when we're in that place being wounded, we make bad decisions. We don't think right. We don't see right. And we, I talk to people all the time. You talk to people all the time. But as a pastor, I see people all the time that are going through relational crisis and pain and they're making big decisions. And they're convinced they're the right ones. In fact, it wasn't that long ago that I sat down with somebody and I was so bold and courageous to say this, you're wrong. You are wrong. But all they could see, and I wasn't trying to be ugly or mean, but all we can see in the midst of our pain and emotion is that, is, is that disappointment, that discouragement, and we're trying to cope and adapt instead of getting to that place of freedom and we're making decisions we have no business making. And you've talked to people that have experienced that and people have talked to you and you've said, you know what, that's probably not something you should decide right now because we don't necessarily make the best decisions in that place, and it'll keep us from our potential. Psalm 73, 21 through 22 says this, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, listen to this, I was senseless and ignorant. Don't you like the scripture? <laughs> I was senseless and ignorant. In other words, when I'm in that place, I don't make the best decisions. I don't make good decisions in that place. And so we need to be mindful of that. When you're in that place, you need to trust people in your life and you need to listen to them. And none of us, when we've been offended, when we've been wounded, are necessarily the best decision makers. Now listen, I wanna share something about this point. I really want you to grasp what I'm saying here. I want you to get it. When the enemy attacks your marriage, your relationships, friends, people, whatever, it's really not about that relationship. The enemy is really trying to derail you or keep you from your purpose. The enemy's trying to keep you from your potential. It's a much bigger picture. The devil is not as afraid of you or who you are as much as he's afraid of who you could be. And so if he can derail you from your potential, your purpose, then that's his mission. And the loss of Haran kept Terah from Canaan. And we need to realize that any, the enemy attack the attack of the enemy is an attempt to derail you from your purpose. And when you have a wound, number two, it pollutes our other relationships. It pollutes our other relationships. If we don't deal with this properly, it affects all our relationships. A wounded person will even mess up good relationships. Have you ever noticed that? Have you been there? Have you done that? And probably, again, all of us have. And again, as a pastor, I, I would dare say, in talking with so many people, we all have some kind of emotional relational baggage in our life. That's just reality, and that's okay, but let's learn how to deal with it. We've all been where we've allowed that, and it's polluted our other relationships. Or even we've been on the other end with a friend, and we'll say, whoa, 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 I didn't do anything. Why are you taking it out on me? 
Come on, we've been there. And it's because they're acting out of that emotional wound and now it's spilling over into the other relationships. Or maybe you've been the person that's been wounded and hurt people, hurt people. And so now the people closest to you, you're hurting and you'll walk away from a moment and you'll look back and see, you'll think, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Those are the closest people in my life. And it'd be, again, because we have some emotional wounds or baggage that we haven't dealt with. And so baggage unattended will cause those things and pollute relationships in our life. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. In the Amplified, it says, exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back from or fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. I wrote this out in the Phillips paraphrase, that last, phrase, that last line then, the Phillips paraphrase says this, a bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but it can also poison the lives of many others. It'll pollute our other relationships. Let me give you three quick indicators of that in your life. Number one, it'll, it'll make us defensive. If we have emotional baggage or relational baggage or wounds and we haven't dealt with it, it pollutes our relationships and we'll recognize that, but it'll make us defensive. I'm not gonna let myself be hurt again. So I'm gonna build a wall. It makes us distant, we pull away. I'm not gonna go there anymore, I'm gonna pull away, I'm gonna disconnect, I'm gonna withdraw, I'm gonna shut down, I'm gonna walk away from this. And it makes us demanding. We wanna dominate or control everything, so now we're in charge, we're not gonna be in that place anymore. And really when someone's controlling and demanding, really it's usually a sign of insecurity. But that's the response. And so it'll pollute our other relationships. And here's some of the indicators of that. It'll pollute your relationships. It happened to Tara. In fact, if you read the next chapter, we're in Genesis 11, you read uh, chapter 12, Abram had to leave his own dad behind. He had to leave his dad there. And so then he went on. And so this family got fragmented because Tara couldn't deal with his relational wound. And the last thing, let me give you the last thing here. It will destroy your relationship with God. It destroys our relationship with God. Now listen closely to me because I'm really trying to help you this morning. Our relationship with God and our relationship with people are inseparable. And you might say, no, it's just me and God. I love God, but I hate people, <laughs> right? <laughs> I heard a pastor say one time, man, what I do would be great if it wasn't for all the people, right? <laughs> it's like, well, how can you do what you do then? So this relationship only works if this relationship is working. This relationship works as it should if these relationships are working as they should. God set it up that way. He set it up that they're intertwined, interconnected. You cannot just think you can have it right with God and not right with other people and expect to be walking out life as God intended. They are tied together. And all throughout the Bible it says you cannot love God and not love people. In fact, the reason some haven't been able to connect with God like they want or they should is because they haven't settled those other relationships in life. Mark eleven twenty five, New Living Translation says this, but when you are praying, first forgive. Listen, first thing you do, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you too. So Jesus is saying here, don't come to me until you've gone to them. That's what Jesus is saying right there. And if you'll remember the scripture, a man asked Jesus, can you sum up everything you're teaching? Sum up everything about the New Testament of the Bible in one thought. And Jesus said, love God, because, but then he said, but there's another, like the first, love people. Even Jesus said, you can't separate them. Love God, love people, they're both equal, they're both the same. 
It's what he said in response to this man that asked him that to sum it up in one thought. You know what, it even shows up in the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus was teaching us how to pray, this idea even shows up in the Lord's Prayer. Remember where it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? Verse 12, listen, in uh, Matthew 6. And we forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, what you're saying, what you're praying is, God forgive me the same way I forgive others. That's what that prayer really is. How many aren't gonna be praying that one anymore? (laughs) I'm just just saying, right? But the reality is, God forgives us the way and extent that we forgive other people. But I want God's total and complete forgiveness. But I don't wanna forgive these people over here. Well, we need to come to a little bit of reality. The truth of God's word is that those two are inseparable. The truth is we gotta settle this here relationally before we can walk in fullness of what our relationship with God is. So here's the good news. We serve a God who specializes in healing the broken heart, who specializes in healing emotional, relational wounds. Aren't you glad for that? It's not hopeless as we may think or seem. No matter how long you've dealt with it, how long you've carried it, how high you've piled your baggage, it matters not to God. He has a unique ability to bring health, healing, and restoration. Psalms 147.3 says this, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Amen. That's a life scripture right there. We need to hold on to that one. He does that by a process we talked about last week, and you can go back and listen or watch that message. We saw that in first, I'm sorry, in 2 Corinthians 10. Now let's take a look at that. Let me read that for you. Here's what it says. For though we live in the world, we not wage world as the world does. We have issues and challenges and hurts and wounds in this world, but we deal with them different than the world deals with them because the weapons we use are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Say divine power. Divine power. So we deal with those wounds and hurts in this natural world in a supernatural way. The divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds is our biblical word for baggage. Literally means something that has a strong hold on your life. It's our word for baggage. They have the power to demolish our baggage. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sells itself or every claim that self sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought, say thought, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we need new thoughts. In the midst of our emotional wounds and our relational wounds, we need new thoughts. The worldly thoughts, the way the world is not enough. We don't need natural thoughts, we need supernatural thoughts that come from the word of God. Amen, it's the word of God. That's the truth and the truth sets you free. Brings release, helps you let go of some of that baggage. And perhaps even some of the deepest, most hurtful things in our life. That through the truth of God's word and the application of it, we can find some freedom. In this series, all I'm trying to do is to give us some new thoughts. I'm gonna try and give you the truth of God's word. I'm gonna give you three new thoughts this morning along these lines, and, and I'm gonna say this, this could be the most important message of the series because relationships are such a big part of our life. And so in order for us to travel free, travel light, unpack our bags, we need to have some new thoughts about how to process these wounds and hurts, and they're gonna be counterintuitive. These are gonna be, therefore, it could perhaps be the most important thing we do, so it might be the most difficult thing. You're not gonna want to do these, but it works because the word works, amen? Here's the first thought, number one, you need to reveal the hurt. I don't wanna reveal the hurt. I don't want anybody to know. I keep it all to myself, especially men. Men have a hard time with this. But it's very important for you and I to have a new thought that we can't keep it to ourselves and navigate through life or unpack our bags unless we have the help of somebody. Well, all I need is God, I'll reveal it to God. Well, when you reveal things to God, you find forgiveness. 
The Bible says when you confess it to a brother, you find healing. God established a process, but he did so, you'll have to do it relationally. Confess your sin to God, your hurt to God, absolutely, you will find forgiveness. But then you need to find another person to walk that out with you. He set it up that way. That's why it's so important to get in life groups. We talk about life groups all the time. I don't know, there's a message, we don't talk about it. It's so important for you to connect with other people. Why? Because you need people you can reveal the hurt in your life to. You don't need to broadcast it on Facebook. That's not what it's talking about. Can I get an amen on that one, all right? Come on, because you don't need to read all the stuff that comes back unless it's scripture. (laughs) So you need to be able to have a connection. That's why life groups and serving groups are huge in our lives. Why? Because we create those relationships where we can reveal our hurt in a safe place to somebody else that will speak the truth in love, which is God's word. And the truth is what enables us to find freedom, be set free from it. And then we need to be available to be that to somebody else. We need to be able to reveal the hurt. Psalm 32.3 says this. When I kept silent, when I didn't reveal my hurt, but I kept it to myself, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For those who think that you can keep it to yourself, there, here is what the result of. Why? Because the word works. <laughs> it works even when it's contrary to what you want it to be. If it says you keep silent, your bones will waste away through your groaning all day long. Don't take my word, take his word for it. And then let's give you one more. 39.2 says this. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good, but my anguish increased. Don't let this be your life verse. If you choose to keep it to yourself, this will be your life verse. Your anguish anguish will increase. That's the truth. Let someone in. Number two, release the people involved. Oh, here's a tough one. I really didn't even want to say this one because I, I mean, that's hard. That's hard for me. But there is no other way than through forgiveness. There is no other way. There is no other solution than forgiveness. Take the truth of God's word and whatever was done, real, hurtful, painful, whether they deserve this or not, let God have it. Let God have that. Let God take that. Let God carry that, amen? Listen, can I say this? Forgiveness doesn't even involve the other person, really. It's you being able to give that to God. That doesn't mean you gotta be their best friend. Doesn't mean you you have to hang out, whatever. That doesn't mean that at all. And you may never, ever again, that's okay, as long as you can give that to God and not bring you that pain any longer. <clears throat> but it doesn't work without forgiveness. Re- Honestly, what does in the scripture? I mean, we were forgiven, therefore we have salvation. It didn't work without the forgiveness of our sin. It didn't work without Jesus paying the price, why? So we could have forgiveness and freely we've received, so freely we must give. And to the measure which we forgive others, we walk in that ourselves. So there, there is no way to unload some of this baggage without forgiveness. Matthew 18, 21 through 22 says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now back in that day, the Jewish law said you had to get, forgive three times. So Peter, being the, the cool dude that he was, said, you know what, how about, because I'm awesome, How about we double the three and add one to it? Come on, seven times. How good am I, Jesus? How good am I? And Jesus looked at him and said, you know what? Not seven times, but 77 times. 70 times seven, however you want to do it. Basically, over and over and over, you keep forgiving. And there is no cap on that. It's basically what he's saying. Forgiveness has to be a part of the solution. And we have to have, I'm never gonna forgive them. We gotta get that thought out of our mind. 
Now, if you have this thought, I can never forgive, that may be true. That's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't do it in your power and strength and ability. You do it in the divine power, amen, to break that stronghold off your life, amen? The Holy Spirit. So you can. All things are possible, amen? So you can do it. It has to be a part of that. It has to be a part of that. He'll give you the ability to forgive others. You know what? And Jesus ultimately is our model, honestly. And we want to follow Jesus, right? 1 Peter 2, 23, here's what he says. When they had hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself, listen to this, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You know what it says there? He says, I'm going to give it to God. He gave it to God. God, you deal with this. You are my defense. Now understand this, God will take care of it. You've got to get to the place that you can just give it to God. Once we've revealed the hurt, once we've released the people involved, here's the third new thought, then refocus on God's plan for your life. Because going back to what we originally talked about, the enemy will come and attack relationally to keep you from your potential from what God intends for your life. So when you've revealed the hurt and you've released the people involved, refocus immediately on God's plan for your life. Don't let these things stop you. Don't let these things cause you to settle there. Don't die there. Don't quit. Don't give up. God has a greater plan than you can ever hope, imagine, or dream. Keep going. You know, the story of Joseph comes to mind to illustrate this. If you don't know, Joseph was one of 12 brothers and he was the youngest and probably the favorite. Well, he was the favorite and the brothers were jealous and he shared all these dreams, which he probably shouldn't have, I guess. His brothers got mad, decided to kill him. So they were gonna kill him and then compassion came and they said, let's not kill him. A caravan was coming by and they said, let's sell him to this caravan as a slave. And so they sold their youngest brother into slavery and they came up with this elaborate plan to tell their dad that an animal killed him. So they sold him into slavery and then just he would rise to a, a place of importance and go back down. Rise to a place of importance, go back down. You would think that he was out for revenge. And just, he couldn't wait to get back at his brothers one day. And every time he got elevated and promoted to the second most important person in Egypt, you would think that maybe he wanted one day to get back at his brothers. Well, he had the opportunity one day to do that. We see that in Genesis 50, verse 19 and 20. His brothers are before him. He says, Joseph said, don't be afraid I am in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended good for me to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Let me say this morning that what the enemy means for bad in your life, God can and will turn that around to good if you'll let him. If you'll refocus on the plans and purpose of God, he's a good God and he's a faithful God. And no matter what comes your way, don't settle there, don't live there. Reveal the hurt. Release the other people, deserving or not, do it as unto the Lord. And then refocus on the plans and purposes of God. And the thing that the enemy meant to destroy your life will be the thing that propels you to destiny. The thing the enemy means to paralyze you relationally can be this thing that will propel you to your amazing future in God. God is a good and faithful God. Don't settle there. Release that. Unpack those bags. I'm going to close with this last verse. Job 11, there's a good one on Valentine's. We're gonna look in the book of Job, right? You'll love this scripture though. 13, put your heart right. Listen, this this is my prayer. This is my prayer for all of you, myself included, all of us. This is my prayer, that we will put our heart right and reach out to God. Then we'll face the world again, firm and courageous, 
Then all our troubles will fade from our memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. Then our life will be brighter than sunshine at noon and life's darkest hours will shine like the dawn. We will live in secure and full of hope. God will protect us and give us rest. Amen? There's a refrigerator verse for you. I want to encourage you in that this morning, everybody here, Tree Life and all those gathered this morning, that whatever, how long, how piled high, how hurtful, how deep, how painful it may be, there is a way out. The truth of God's word reveals us a way to walk in freedom. But we need to do what this scripture says. We turn our face back to God. Hold out our hands and surrender to his plan and purpose. Be courageous. You're gonna have to have a lot of courage and boldness to walk out these three things and have three new thoughts because it's counter what we've been trained by society. So we've been trained to keep it to ourselves. We've been trained to, to just revenge or whatever that is. We've, to do it. We, we've been trained to carry more, pile more, just cope with it, just adjust our life, just live differently. It's a part of who you are. It's who you'll always be. We've been trained to just cope with things instead of deal with them and the power and truth of God's word and allow them to be released from our lives into the destiny that God has. There is hope and there is a way. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.